Welcome to Out of the Box Radio with me, your host, Christine Blasdale. Out of the Box Radio is a weekly podcast of audible ear candy dedicated to bringing a fresh perspective on this thing that we call life. And each and every week, we're going to be diving into the topics that matter most with lively conversations on issues such as health, wellness, and transformational healing, all with the goal of creating a better world and becoming a happier human being. I will be your tour guide for this epic adventure, and each and every week we're going to be embarking on a journey with the ultimate goal being transformation to our highest potential. And now, let's get out of the box. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I am your host, Christine Blasdale, and I am so happy that you tuned in today because we have a very special program for you. Someone who I have admired for many years and love the uh, the work that she does, Dr. Judith Orloff is with us today. And for those of you who don't know, Dr. Judith Orloff is the New York Times bestselling author of The Empath's Survival Guide, Life Strategies for Sensitive People. I'm so happy she's here because I'm one of those people. Dr. Orloff is a psychiatrist, an empath, and is on the UCLA Psychiatric Clinical Faculty. Her work has been featured on the Today Show, CNN, Oprah Magazine, The New York Times, and USA Today, to name a few. She has also spoken at Google LA and has a very popular TEDx talk. Her other books include Emotional Freedom and Second Sight, but today we're going to be talking about her most recent book, The Empath Survival Guide. Dr. Judith Orloff. Orloff, welcome to Out of the Box. It's great to be here. I am so, so excited because, well, first of all, I, I admire the, the work that you do and how many people you've helped over the many decades. But the your current book, The Empath Survival Guide, Life Strategies for Sensitive People, I am so happy to meet you because you were also one of those people who maybe as a child was called too sensitive. I was definitely called overly sensitive and... I thought I belonged on another planet. I didn't feel that I belonged on Earth because I couldn't really relate to the people here. Um, And I had fantasies that a spaceship would come and land in my front yard and take me to my true home because I felt so different. And I didn't realize that the gift of being different. You had the same childhood that I did. (laughs) I seriously, no, really, I, I, I remember feeling so absolutely alone. Yeah. And, um... And I did, I, I used to, uh, I used to cry for this, I had this longing for a home right. that I didn't know. And then I kind of felt bad because I was like, well, my parents are supposed to be my home and, and, but my family's supposed to be my home, but I didn't feel, I felt like I was plucked out of somewhere and put into this group of people that I was like, who are you? <laughs> right. Well, you probably were. <laughs> <laughs> and you also, you grew up in Los Angeles, correct? I did. I grew up in Westwood and Beverly Hills, and both my parents were physicians, and I have 25 physicians in my family. So What? I know. <laughs> so I come from a long lineage of very scientifically oriented people. And so my parents, I was the only child also, and I was really quiet, and I was more or less a loner. Like many empath children, I had 
one best friend and I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who I did everything with and, and loved, but um, I didn't really like being with lots of people or going to parties or going to malls because I would walk in you know, feeling fine and walk out exhausted or depressed or anxious or with some ache or pain I didn't have before. And I didn't realize that as an empath, I was an emotional sponge. So I was taking on all the energy of the people in the crowded places. I had no idea. I had no grandmother to tell me this. I had nobody who was an empath. And my parents just said, oh, dear, you need to get a thicker skin, which made me feel like there was something wrong with me. I had the uh, uh, the proverbial, you're too sensitive. You're far yeah. too sen- You're just too sensitive, Christine. Right. And right. I was like, I, oh. I was like, I'm just me. I, did, I, I don't know, know about know. that. Um, for for those who um, who are not familiar with what an empath is, let's, um, if you don't mind, can you give our listeners a little bit of an idea of what an empath actually is? An empath is somebody who doesn't have the usual defenses that other people have or the same filters. And so we're open to everything. We feel everything. And we can be emotional sponges where somebody can be going through some emotional experience and we actually take it on in our own bodies. If somebody's angry, we suddenly are a dumping ground for that anger. Or if we're, somebody is depressed, we start feeling depressed. Or if you're around an energy vampire, somebody drains your energy so that your energy gets really low. And so we're open to what people are feeling and thinking, but we actually take it on in our own bodies as opposed to a regular empathy, which is so beautiful, where your heart just goes out to somebody, you feel for them in joy or in pain, but you don't absorb it. And mm-hmm. the problem is empaths absorb it and get exhausted or you know, get some kind of diagnosis such as panic disorder or major depression or fibromyalgia, um, adrenal fatigue. And they have that as the primary diagnosis. And if they're an empath, that's not their primary diagnosis. Their primary diagnosis is being an empath. And they need to, <laughs> they need to come from that spot to deal with the other issues. And so they're, uh, they're, they're misdiagnosed and then they're treated a lot of times with uh, drugs or pharmaceuticals, meds, which, which yeah. mask the problem as well. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't deal with the essential... The core issue, right. Yeah, the core issue of being an empath. And it doesn't take much to diagnose yourself as an empath. There's a 20-question self-assessment. I know. I'm looking at the book right now. So so you can uh, diagnose yourself as an empath. Now, I understand, too, there are um, different types Right. Of empaths. And I think this is really important um, because and as I was going through this, it was interesting because as I was going through this, I was like, well, I'm I'm that kind of empath. OK, I'm that kind of I'm not that kind of empath. We can have blends as right. well, like like a hybrid <laughs> empath. Right. Right. A hybrid. And then we can develop qualities too. you know, for instance, a dream empath. Now, I'm a natural dream and empath because I've always listened to my dreams and the guidance and I write down my dreams since I was a little girl. But sometimes people can develop that as adults if you want to remember your dreams and be guided by that form of intuition you can do it i would like that because i am not uh, a, i'm not a dream empath oh i could get but, you to but, dream but the other thing, <laughs> i love how you said that i can get you to dream so let's go through some of the different um the different types the general types of empaths the first one here i see is physical empaths what's what's that all about 
A physical empath is somebody who can actually feel the symptoms of other people in their own bodies. Like if you have a stomach ache, I could feel it if I'm a physical empath or a headache or low energy. Um, and so physical empaths make great medical intuitives because they can actually feel what's going on. But what they don't want to do, and what I stress in the book, is they don't want to absorb it. You don't want to take it on because right. that's none of your business to do so on one level. And also you need to learn practical skills, how not to do that and still hold a space for somebody. So you can recognize it. You can know that there's a disturbance yeah. in this particular area, but you can view it or, or, or recognize it, but not take it on. Oh, absolutely. That's the yes. premise of the book. If I took on all my patients' stress and, and emotions, I would be dead. You're a psychiatrist. I, I know. I can't do that. <laughs> Nor do I have to. Yes. I can hold the space and be compassionate and feel what's going on without taking it on. And that's the basic skill set that empaths need to learn. And that's why I wrote the Empath Survival Guide to help them not absorb, but yet benefit from all the incredible gifts, the sensitivity, the passion, yes. the creativity, you know, the ability to read other people and help them and tune into nature and know the secrets of the universe and, you know, all kinds of connections to the invisible world. That all we kinds of yummy see. stuff. Yummy, wonderful stuff. Oh, I love that. And 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 that's that's something that is so needed right now, too, oh, yeah. isn't it? Um so let's go on with other types of empaths. Now, the emotional empath, uh, this is interesting as well. This is when, if you're an empath, an emotional empath, you pick up other people's emotions. So that could be if they're, if somebody's depressed or sad, you, you also feel that as well? You do. Or you might have an emotional hangover where you go out to a gathering of some sort. And you're talking to somebody who's very anxious. Anxiety is one thing that really skips into empaths and it really goes into their body. Oh, that's what I'm, I'm one of those people, yeah. emotional empaths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty common. You know, if you're an empath, most people are emotional empaths. Some are physical empaths. Um, but if someone's anxiety, like, for instance, my mother was very, very anxious, and I was an empath child. And so I would sit with her, and she wanted me to hold her hand. And so I wanted to help her, but I hated sitting there. And yeah. I took on, you know, a lot of her anxieties. So as an adult, part of my healing has been cutting the, the bond with my mother's anxiety so I don't carry it around. Beautiful. Because I don't want it. No, you don't need that. No. You're busy. I don't need it. You gotta I'm busy. What's going on. <laughs> you're, you're a best-selling author. <laughs> um, and now intuitive empaths. Now, this is the, I, I, I saw this and I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Okay. So what the intuitive empath, now you write in your book, the empath survival guide, you experience extraordinary perceptions such as heightened intuition, telepathy, messages in dreams, animal and plant communication, as well as contact with the other side. Do tell about the intuitive empath. Yes, well, empaths often have a highly developed intuition, or if it's not developed, they could learn to develop it. And I encourage everyone to develop your intuition. Uh, and that's the still small voice inside that tells you the truth about things. It's not your mind. It's not your brain. It's your body's wisdom. It's the connection that you have to a force larger than yourself that can flow through you. 
And for me, that's the spiritual component of being an empath. And it's so rewarding to develop it. Um, and there are different types of intuitive empaths. Some types are animal um, empaths who communicate with animals and feel a communion, sometimes even more than with people, you know, oh. with their dogs or their cats or the creatures of the, the wild. You know, whatever creatures, you feel a connection to right. them. And you can hear their, their thoughts and, and feel their hearts. And many of these empaths go into animal rescue um, and it's just a natural expansion of their empath selves to, you know, embrace the, the world of the creatures and the animals. Um, and then there's the plant empath, um, those that feel a communion with green growing things and trees Correct. and plants and hillsides and forests and mountains and lakes. You know, if anyone's going, yes, 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 you know, who's <laughs> listening to me, we love them so much. I can't tell you how much I love these things. I'm a nature empath or you know, a plant empath. I love nature so much. And I need to go out in nature to remain sane to remain grounded to and recharge really happy right to, yeah but just to be happy and yes. connected um actually my partner used to be a wilderness guide so he takes me out into the, off the trail oh you, know? you must love that <laughs> it's a little scary but i love being out in nature and that's true for many empaths i say that for myself but mm -hmm. a lot you know need to have that. I have an empath support group on Facebook and they just had a post. It was so interesting. What would be the perfect house for empaths? Now the perfect home. And they have all these beautiful things like hot tubs and big porches and trees and soft lighting and soft materials. For me, Maui. And Maui, Hawaii. <laughs> Hawaii. Oh, me too. Well, because it's the heart chakra too, oh, right? You feel it when you're there. Uh, feel such freedom there and you when you go in the water you don't go into shock no, no you don't <laughs> and um there's also within the um intuitive empath there's the um uh, telepathic empath mm -hmm. talk about that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well you're open to other people's thoughts what they're thinking and feeling and when you're with somebody if you just keep an open relaxed connection with them sometimes they're telepathic empaths who get the information when they're just standing next to you um, and it's your choice to do that. Some patients of mine come in overwhelmed because they're getting too much information and they don't know how to really filter it. So it's up to you. You can dialogue with your intuition. You can say it's coming in too fast. I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm getting overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And it will slow down. It's like a, something very real inside yourself that you can dialogue with. It's not just something that happens to you. So part of becoming an empowered empath is really owning your intuition, seeing what you instinctively connect to animals, plants, dreams, earth, um, telepathic, precognitive, which is knowing the future. Sometimes you might get a dream about the future. Then what do you do with it? Yeah. That's uh, well, what I've, um, with that, with the precognitive, what I will do is if I'm talking to someone, I'll see something. I don't even know if it's something that's in the future or if it's an alternate reality if it's something that is like a suggestion but I will see something like I have clients that I that I work with um and I do work with them doing product development and branding and and, and, and marketing with them and I will see um a book that they haven't written I'll see I'll know the I'll know pretty much the title of the book I'll see the picture of it or if it's a product wow. I'll see what the product is I'll I'll know what the name is I'll see it being used so um, I, I'm able to use those um, intuitive 
empathic skills in my day-to-day work, as well as doing interviews, doing broadcast journalism at a radio station or doing the podcast, Mm -hmm. I will use those skills to listen to the audience that will be hearing uh, the program. That's what I was telling you. But right before we, we, uh, we started our interview is that I really listened to the, um, the universe and the general audience as to what to ask you, not just what I want to ask you. Well, that's a great skill of being an empath. And isn't it exciting? Yes. <laughs> it's so exciting. Everybody, you all can do it. It's not just us. We're no, having the conversation. Everybody. Everybody has. can be open to this if you're not scared. You know, if, you know, let's and say there's nothing you, to be scared about, really. Well, you know, a lot of times empaths are not treated that well as children. And so they get scared and they withdraw and they close off. I wanted to talk to you about that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned in, the, in your book, in the Empath Survival Guide, you mentioned that a lot of empaths have a very difficult childhood. Um, either their child, their children of alcoholics or people or parents who are emotionally unavailable. Sometimes they suffer abuse. Um, let's let's talk about that. Is are, are empaths created from their childhood experiences, or does it just seem that empaths are are we're, we're put into these family structures where we get that kind of early of relationship with with our parents? Well, I think there are many factors that go into being an empath. And one is genetic, where I think some of us are just born empaths, and we come from a lineage of empaths. You know, mm-hmm. every all the mothers and the grandmothers or the fathers and the sons have it. You know, I've seen it more frequently in women in our culture, but, you know, who, who knows? That's probably what our culture does to men. Um, but I think being an empath is both male and female. Yes. So, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So it's all the men listening out there don't feel <laughs> excluded <laughs> at all. Um, so it's genetic. It can be temperament and it can be environment. And a lot of empaths are brought up in homes with parents who don't understand them, um, who tell them they're not OK the way they are and don't help them develop their skills. Or they can be blatant narcissists, alcoholics or neglectful and abusive. Yes. And what that can do is tear down the defenses that you might have to make you raw and open and feeling pain, like a raw pain receptor, like a wire without insulation, because you're not given the self-soothing techniques that healthy parents will give you. Let's say they'll hold you and they'll pat you and tell you everything's going to be okay, honey. You know, you never got that, perhaps. You know, right. maybe you don't think everything's going to be okay because you were never conditioned to learn those self-soothing techniques that empaths need to learn. Right, right. Well, and also, um, I've, I've, I believe that children who suffer uh, at, at the hands of their parents, either um, if, they have a, if they have an alcoholic parent or a raging alcoholic parent or an, a physically abusive, sexually abusive, mentally abusive parent, um, they can go a couple different ways. They can be so hurt and traumatized from that experience where they might even slip into the, the narcissistic, and we'll talk about narcissists and narcissism in a second, but they could slip into that narcissistic role where they've cut off their empathy and they've been so hurt that they're, they've, their, their heart wall is up and they want to make other people feel what they felt, the pain that they felt. And then the other side, and this is what I felt, was that I knew that the pain that I felt as a child, I would never want to have anyone else feel that. And I think as many empaths are who have maybe rough childhoods, 
um, tough beginnings, we go out into the world wanting to help and soothe those people that are hurting. And we're also a little bit more forgiving when people um, misbehave, aren't we? We, because we, I think we understand sometimes or we try and understand where they're coming from. We are more forgiving. And empaths often go into the helping professions. They become coaches, <laughs> healers, uh, nurses, doctors, massage therapists, physical therapists. But the skill that we empaths need to learn is learning to set boundaries, too, because empaths tend to overhelp. Yes, boundaries. <laughs> boundaries, you know, healthy boundaries that are set very quickly. No, I'm sorry, I can't go out tonight because I'm tired. Yes. No, I'm sorry, I disappointed you. I love you. You're my friend. No, but I can't go out. Yes. You know, very short, little snippets instead of explaining, over explaining, or trying to make big excuses. You know, learning what to say as an empath to basically take care of yourself, practice self-care. We empaths like to stay home a lot, don't we? We do. We love our homes. We love our bathtubs. <laughs> There's nothing more exciting. I, you know, people go, oh, it's Friday night. You're going out. You're going crazy. I'm like, oh, no, I'm so excited it's the weekend because I actually get to read, like, like I get to read Judith Orloff book or I get to, um, you know, meditate. I I find that I need, it is exhausting sometimes being out in the in the world. And so we do need to have that self-care if it's taking a bath, Epsom salt, or going by the ocean taking that time for us quiet time empaths need quiet quiet, time if you're going 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 all the time you'll go on sensory overload and chronic sensory overload increases cortisol and adrenaline the stress hormones and then you might have a diagnosis such as fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue because your stress hormones are burning you out yes and so learning to switch that process and learning to let's say meditate for three minutes this is something i do throughout the day just taking a few breaths, focusing on your heart and the loving kindness within you, or holding an image that's very peaceful, like the ocean or flowers, something that d- doesn't resolve, uh, involve conflict, and to just feel that and breathe and center and reconnect to yourself, which is your higher self inside. Correct. It's not the self that's just out doing and being. It's who you really are inside. Um, and learn to calm yourself down and connect to the love within, you know, for just three minutes. It's doable for just three minutes. I do this in between patients. I do this throughout the day if I notice I'm I starting to get. That's <laughs> really, no, I love that because it's, you don't have to do a full like 20 minute or half hour or hour long meditation. If you don't have the time, you can do even just a three minute one. Just go in quickly. It's a training process to learn how to go in quickly, recenter yourself, then go back to your life. If you're a busy person, you need to learn how to center yourself. You can't just go from one thing to the next and be an empath and not expect something to happen with your health. Exactly. And and, and one thing that I love uh, about the book, too, is you talk about um, making sure that, you know, that it's okay to to excuse yourself from situations. It's mm-hmm. okay to say, I don't mm-hmm. feel comfortable, you know, here. Um, I remember several years ago, many, many, probably a decade or two ago, I was at um, someone's house and the it was a, a gentleman who was very angry. Um, his energy was extremely heavy and dark. And I don't know if it was, I don't know if he had, if he had taken uh, drugs um, or if that was just his personality, but I literally could feel 
a very dark substance sort of like crawling toward me from his from his being um and i and i just did not i i could not physically be in that space right and i and i literally just said i'm sorry but i have to go right Good. And and I and I didn't have to, I didn't explain it or anything like that. Good, I said I good. just I'm sorry I'm sorry I've just got to go because right, right. it was so overwhelming. Right. Yeah, it's so, so negative. Yucky. Yeah, it was icky. Yeah, it was like a gooey icky. Right. I know. I don't know, I know what, what that is. What is that? <laughs> what is that, Judah? Oh, it's somebody's <laughs> somebody's dark side. <laughs> oh, it's their dark their it dark is, gooey. And we all side. have our dark gooey icky sides. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the the great thing about being an empath is you learn to be more conscious of what's running through you. So let's say you are angry. Let's say you are depressed. Let's say you are resentful. You're aware of it, and you're totally. working with self healing. You're not letting it go unconscious, where it becomes dark and icky and gooey. And you're also not throwing it out at other people either. Unconscious. Yes, that's exactly. the problem with many of these energy vampires out there is that they're unconscious of their behavior. But the minute you awaken as an empath and you say, OK, I am an empath. I fulfill this criteria. And this is how I'm going to work with myself and my own healing. Mm-hmm. You know, as I awaken, I'm going to be aware of my emotional triggers. I'm going to be aware of my wounds because when I heal myself, I don't absorb that issue from other people. Right. And that's liberating. Yes, it is. Oh, it's so liberating. It might be unpleasant for you, somebody else's anger, but it doesn't go right into your gut like a, you know, a sword, you know, with a horrible wound. And it's so, it is really helpful when you, uh, when you're cognizant of, first of all, that you're an empath and of how you absorb people's, well, how, how we all absorb people's energies. Okay. Empath or not. But I really love it when, when, uh, when somebody triggers you or tries to trigger you and you see the, you see the, you go, oh, I know it's not a trap, but it's like, oh, I see what it is. It's, it's like, come a little closer to this trigger. I'm going to trigger you or try and trigger you. And it's so wonderful when you see the trigger and you go, oh, not like, what's the saying? Not today, Satan. Right. <laughs> it's, oh. That's, you know, not today. It's no, 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 no. It's not going to happen. But right. it's, it's quite fun to actually see that like you you go oh my goodness I could go in this way and then you see other people you can witness other people who just take it hook line and sinker oh just go with it if people know how to press your buttons like narcissists are experts at pressing your buttons they know exactly what to do to get in there and get your insecurity so that you feel unworthy or that you don't feel like you're okay to set boundaries or you're crazy or you're too sensitive you know, if you believe it, that's an emotional trigger, then it's all downhill. You can't believe those things. Let's talk about those narcs, those yeah. narcissists. So so being an empath, um, I'm sure you, you might have had your fair share of in the past, because now you probably don't even have that energy put out there. But you've um, probably attracted a narcissist or two. I uh, had one really important one in my life, and he was my teacher. As he, I had never encountered one before in my life. And he was textbook. He was so good. He was so perfect. I at think his they're role. Academy Award winners. I oh think they're Oscar God. winning. Yeah. And and I was like this babe in the woods. I didn't know what? Why why is he do what? What just happened? You know, or the gaslighting or, you know, the making it think it's you when it's not you. It's it, anyways, I, I got all of it. And so I learned from it and I did research on it and I it was very, very painful for me. 
Um, and but I learned from it, and so yes. he was he was a great teacher for me. And, and knock on wood, I haven't done that again since then. For um, for our listeners who don't know what a narcissist is, um, and you being a psychiatrist, you could probably tell us um, what is a narcissist. A narcissist is somebody who has empathy deficient disorder, mm-hmm. and what that means is that they're not capable of feeling empathy as we know it. <sighs> I let that sink in, because a lot of empaths can't get what a narcissist is because they're so their hearts are so big does that go along the lines of sociopathic or yeah it can be a sociopath and there's different levels of narcissism because we we all have narcissistic uh the ability or the tendency right but there's there's Mm. there's a low level narcissism that we might have within us and then there's you know straight off the charts you know um absolutely zero empathy um, so the, the, those are the people that actually, what, they seek out empaths or they seek out people that they can hurt? Have power over. To have power over. It's power motivated. And my understanding is that a great deal of narcissists, um, w- a great deal of narcissists w- are created from childhood trauma. Childhood trauma, having parents that are narcissists, but Mm -hmm. I believe it's genetic that some people just come in. As I know, I've had letters from parents who say, what do I do with my narcissistic children? You know, which you actually have more power over them because you have a child that you can guide and you can teach. It's still really hard. But if somebody doesn't, narcissists don't often have a conscience. So if you're hurt, they don't really care. They don't. No, and that's so hard for empaths to get. And I hope everyone listening can get this because you're an empath. You don't get this because you're not like that. But there are people who are different than you. And I talk about in the book the toxic attraction between narcissists and empaths. Narcissists will flock to you because you're open, you're loving, you're good, you want to help them, you want to help them heal, you want to take them on as a project, you want to do everything for them, and through your love you can heal them. At least that's what you think. And I'm so sorry to tell you this, but it doesn't work that way. Yeah, there is there's no narcs anonymous. <laughs> I wish there was, but the, narcissists don't think there's something to Just, deal with. They don't think there's anything wrong with You're them. You're the problem. You're, everybody else is the right. problem, right? <laughs> and but I want everyone to get this. This is hard, I know. Cuz let's say you fall in love. Let's say you haven't been with someone for a long time. And let's say you meet this incredible person who just blows you away cuz you feel this soulmate attraction with them. And yet, you know, you still wonder if they're a narcissist. If you're ever in that situation, provoke a conflict. Do something that doesn't go along with their plan. Do something that they don't agree with. And if they're a narcissist, they will probably show their true colors, where they become cold, withholding, punishing, critical. Ignoring. Ignoring, silent treatment, whatever, not returning your calls. Right. You know, um, so just... Or speaking that. ill about you to others. Or to speaking others, ill about right. you and you giving your heart to them and them not tending to it nicely and right. lovingly. So please provoke a conflict, no matter how in love you think you are. Well, and you know. and, and with narcissists too, they're very they they have the ability to find out what your weaknesses are. Yes, they are. Your Achilles heel, whatever it is. There's your body image or oh. your your. You know, you have an affliction against a particular thing, um, maybe a trauma happened to you. They use that um, to hurt, to to inflict pain. 
Well, they do because they want to have power over you. And if you're doubting yourself, if you're having low self-esteem and you're thinking you're not really worthwhile, then you'll become kind of passive and a, a submissive to them, basically. Correct. You know, where they will dominate you. They will, you know, want to take charge of you and, and make you two inches tall so they could be the one in charge. So watch out for that empaths and everybody. No, you don't need this in your life. And if you get it or if you keep attracting it, learn the lessons. No, In the book, I have signs and symptoms of what a narcissist is, what to look for. Just cut, you know, copy that page, put it up in your kitchen, <laughs> do something so you know what the symptoms are to watch for so you're not just naive. And then beware of extremely charming people. You know, because mm-hmm. narcissists mm-hmm. are so charming. Oh, my God. They'll give you flowers. They'll tell you how brilliant you are. They'll want to get you a book contract. They'll want to do whatever. You yeah. know, anything you think you want for yourself, they'll intuitively tune in and know what it is. Well, and this is what this is what most people, empath or not, don't understand and, and cannot grasp. And I, I know this because also I did uh, an interview with, H.G. Tudor, who's a, a self-proclaimed master narcissist, which is just so oh, really? so narcissistic of him. But yeah, but, but one of these things At least he owns it. Of oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. But what he said was, um, he said, "I will tell, um, I will tell a woman." First of all, he, social media is their candy. They love social media. Mm-hmm. They'll go on your social media and they'll investigate you and they'll find out before, like if they're just, if they've just met you and they're like, oh, you're a prime victim, you know, you're, you're nice and sweet and you're an open empath. They will find out, they will look and they'll go back and they'll say, oh, uh, two years ago she read a book about poetry from so-and-so. Then when they're talking to you, they'll say, ah, I, I, I swear, I just think that you're the most, I, I think we might be soulmates, you know, I, I, I don't know, I, I just love this poet, blah, 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 and you go, you do too? I love that poet, oh my gosh, and then they'll rattle off things to make you feel that you are their special, their special, their soulmate, their twin heart, the, the one, the one that they've always been looking for, and so as an empath too, you're like, oh my goodness, this amazing person uh, who who's so charming ha- is just like me and and really likes me. Right. And then they got you. Right. And that's one thing that he said. He said that that social media for him was the such an amazing toolkit because that's he could find out about. Yeah. Find out everything about you. So it's very, you know, again, it's it's uh, most of us can't understand why someone would do that why someone would purposely um, uh, hurt another person. But as you said, it's it's about control, isn't it? Ultimately. Power and control. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very hard to break up with a narcissist because what happens is you say, I'm leaving, I've got to go, and they turn on the charm, crank it up, and oh, know exactly what to say Because to you're their food you supply. You're the yeah, food you're supply. The supply right? it's, like, it's like saying that the store is closed. Or the store is closing, and they don't. They need that that supply, that that um, that energy feed, that vampire kind of feeding off of you. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, what are some other what are some other um, strategies that you have in the empath survival guide on how to deal with not only with 
narcissists, but um, just in general, how do we get through this life, Dr. Judith Orloff? How do we, we being these empaths that we are, um, how about some wonderful tips and strategies for us, just even daily, some things that we can do? Yeah, well, realize that no is a complete sentence, that you <laughs> yes. need to incorporate no into your life. Yes. There's no way around that. Yes. And so you could practice with easy people. Uh, whatever it is, the person who grabs the label, you know, and puts it in on your shirt, you know, that you feel invaded because you don't want them touching you, you know, something like that saying, you know, please don't touch my, my label. Yeah. You know, or something. <laughs> whatever, whatever you're feeling is okay. And I want to make that, that point, whatever you're sensitive to, you know, if you don't want to hug somebody to say, I don't hug. If right. you don't want to shake hands with someone, say, I don't shake hands. Right. But you say it lovingly and you say it matter-of-factly and you say it shortly. So you must learn to set boundaries, loving boundaries. Um, and that might take some time with, re- you know, relatives are the hardest. And your mother, you know, I found the mothers and fathers are the hardest. Yeah. So you don't start with them. So you practice setting boundaries with your friends. You know, and just saying, no, I, I, I just don't feel like going out tonight. And really, you know, learning to take your own car places is very useful. So you don't get stuck somewhere. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a loner. I'm, yeah, I'm in yeah. the car. I'm usually by, yeah, yeah by myself yeah, yeah, yeah. because you don't know if you'll feel uncomfortable in the situation too. And you exactly. want to be able to have that ability to check out if you need to. Exactly. And so give yourself permission to drive alone and, or tell, I tell my friends if I do drive with them that I usually only stay an hour and a half or two hours and then I'm out of there as I'm usually filled up by then and I want to go home. I mean, I could have a great time for that short period of time. I don't stick around for five hours chatting usually. Well, and that's because also the um, the empaths, and I learned this from the book as well, um, we as human beings have an energy field about us, right? And it extends from our body, right. sometimes a few inches, sometimes a few feet. So if you're at a um, at a party or a concert, right, where there's all this energy, plus all the cell phones, I'm sorry, but uh, yeah. there's also, everybody's got a cell phone, Um and so you have that energy amplified, whatever that energy is, the EMF, or, um, but you have all of their personal energy intermingling with you, with yours, and that can become quite exhausting for an empath It as well. can be. And don't tell yourself there's something wrong with you because you feel exhausted by it. No. Yeah. No, but I know people do that. You know, they, they try and do it because they, oh. they want to, you know, go out with their friends to a, you know, let's say a football game. You know, that's. You know, I couldn't imagine going. I wouldn't want to go, but I could understand why people go. And right. It's just it's not my thing because of all the people in the crowds or, you know, just crowds are exhausting for empaths. Give yourself permission to be you. You're not neurotic. You're not crazy. You know, begin to practice self-care and really be honest with what are your authentic needs? What are your relationship needs? For instance, you know, I've been in a relationship for about five years and I'm living with somebody, which... You know, I haven't lived with anyone, you know, since the 90s. <laughs> so, you know, it's quite an experiment for me living with someone, but I am I have to express my needs. I never expressed my empath needs in relationship before, so I would be in a relationship for maybe at the most two, two and a half years, and then I'd bolt because I was so overwhelmed and I just needed to be alone. And then inevitably I would be alone and gradually I get lonely, you know, and then I want to look for a soulmate again. So it was that, that process. Right. Right. But as an empath, you need to express your authentic needs to your partner. For instance, you know, sleeping alone. Empaths sometimes like to sleep in their own beds, not all the time or Mm -hmm. maybe all the time. Mm -hmm. You have to, 
allow yourself that because some empaths don't like mixing energy, you know, at night with somebody, especially oh, right. if their partner is angry or going through a rough time. You don't want to pick it up when you're sleeping. Oh, yeah. No, if your partner's angry, you don't want to be next to that. Yeah. No. So if possible, you know, have a comfortable couch or have another bedroom or a mattress somewhere. So you can have this conversation with your partner about sleeping because sometimes empaths don't get into relationships because they just have never been able to bring it up. It's just such a touchy subject. Oh, that's sad, though, because there's so much wonderfulness that you can experience from that. You know, if you if you withhold being in a relationship because you're you know worried about expressing yourself that way, um, I, f- I find with my with my wife, I'm able to, because I am, uh, I guess, mm, telepath, I can feel energy. Yeah. And I, I um, she knows that I'll express myself if I feel something, if I feel a, a, a change in the force, you know, <laughs> right. feel something, I'll have to say something. I can't just go, oh, yeah, everything's great. Right. You know, I have to say something. And she the the wonderful part about it is that she actually appreciates that. Mm. And um, mm. she's who who I am and holds that sensitivity that I have, um, holds that very dearly. And so, I mean, That's I'm, beautiful. yeah, uh, you know, I've finally found her. I'm, you know, in my mid fifties and I, I finally found my, my sacred, but, mm. um, it's, it's being in that relationship where you can, where you can say what you're feeling, what your needs are absolutely, uh, uh important. So, so important. And if you say it nicely, and you say it lovingly, then the other person has a better chance of understanding it. Um, but sometimes they feel it's them or they're doing something wrong and you have to tell them no. But you have to just case. be able to state it and state it with in a loving in a loving yeah. way. Is Matt, yeah. is, 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 and vice versa. If she needs to have her space, right. um, it's always best to just for her to just tell me and say, um, you know, I need my space. I'm overwhelmed. I'm 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 tired or whatever. And then it's like, oh, no problem, babe. And you still have that. Right. You still have that cord, that connection. Yeah. So we're never ever when you're in when you're you know when you love someone when your hearts are connected you're never ever really separated. You always have that connection even if you're not talking to each other for a bit you're giving each other that mm-hmm. space. So mm-hmm. um well what's helpful is a keep out sign. So we have keep out signs in our various <laughs> places that we go in the house. You have a keep out sign? Absolutely. Uh, like on a door? Like so if you're... Mm, <laughs> yeah, <yay. laughs> yes, it's wonderful. So it's like a do not disturb sign. Right, do not disturb. Yeah. Or I do not want to be disturbed. Yes. At this point. Like if I'm meditating, I oh, don't yeah, want to be... Oh yeah, of course. But, but if I'm not meditating, let's say I'm watching TV and I don't want to be disturbed or I'm right. doing nothing in particular and I don't want to be disturbed it all counts yes well it's your it's your um not recovery time what is the word it's your time where you're able to um recharge re re replenish recharge and be nonverbal. sometimes i don't want to talk oh yes and isn't it funny because i my live i get i make my living um talking but one of the things that i love more than anything is is to not talk Right, right. The power I, of silence. I really love it. I like. I really, really love. Yeah. I love not talking. That's why when the phone rings, I just look at it. And go. <laughs> First of all, if there's a number I don't recognize, I'm like, ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm picking you up? You don't pick up the phone, do you? When there's a number you don't recognize, or do you? I don't usually talk on the phone. 
very much. I hate talking on the phone too. I know. Only I'll, <laughs> I'll talk to my wife and my mother. Yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. else, they can leave a message. <laughs> And I'll talk to you when it's right for me. Right, exactly. <laughs> but a- as we're talking, I want empaths to know you can do this too. And it's fine. This is healthy boundary setting. You're not doing it because you don't love your friends. Exactly. You're no, doing it yeah. to take care of yourself. And it's absolutely fine. This conversation is a healthy one to have with people you know. As if you keep yourself a secret, you know, and you don't tell anybody, you know, what your needs are, it's going to be pretty painful. You know, you'll be doing all these things that feel uncomfortable to you, like going to crowded parties and staying right. till two in the morning, and you're just tired. You want to go home and be quiet. Yeah, you know, do. it's okay to go for an hour. You know, it's okay. Whatever yes. you need. Yes. I'd like you to make that okay for yourself and not talk yourself out of it. Right. So I hope this conversation can set you free. I like that. <laughs> I like I like doing that. Um what about some things, because the, 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 the book, The Empath Survival Guide, which is Life Strategies for Sensitive People, can you give us a little idea of some of the things that you do? I know you said you like to um, get out to nature, in nature, but are there little things, little um, things that you like, you know, that you, you like to eat, that you um, like to make sure that you incorporate in your, in your wellness I know myself, I like to have certain supplements that make me feel really good. I um, take time to do those things. Sometimes I take time to um, uh, to read a book, like, like your wonderful book, or I'll take a moment to um, watch a documentary that is, that, you know, something that's appealing to me. What do you, what are some things that you like to do? Mm-hmm. Um, I like high energy food. Um, I don't like sugar. sugar. Thank God I don't like sugar. It just makes me feel really unbalanced. And often empaths are very sensitive to sugar highs and lows. Yes, and it destabilizes your system. Yes. And so it's important to notice how you respond to sugar or caffeine or alcohol. You know, yeah. I, I don't drink or take any substances. So I do like a glass of wine. Yeah. I like a glass of wine, but I don't. Um, because of the alcoholism the, that I had experienced, not me personally, but yeah, that I had yeah. uh, been exposed to, um, I don't drink more than, if I'm out, I don't, won't drink more than two glasses. And um, and I don't, I feel very uncomfortable when, when people are extremely inebriated. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Each, each empath needs to assess, you know, what, what foods feel good in my body? Yes. No. Do you like coffee? I have my one cup of coffee in the morning before I write, and it's a mild antidepressant for me, and it gets me going, and it really gets yeah. my creativity going. Some empaths can't take uh, coffee because it just wires them up too much. Correct. So it depends on how you're feeling. You have to test out certain foods in your body and find out. There's a section on empaths and food in the book and empaths and food addiction because many some empaths become food addicts because they don't realize it, but they're putting up a, a shield with excess weight to guard against negative energy that comes at them because they don't have any other strategies. And it's true that if you put on a lot of weight, that will guard. That's a buffer, but it's an unhealthy buffer. And many of the 20th century faith healers were very, very obese. And I've talked to, you know, many healers like this, and they claim they need to have the extra weight to work with people in pain. And I'm here to say that you don't need it. You can learn other strategies, you know, such as shielding. (sighs) 
Yeah. <laughs> That's what put I up do. the bubble. I put up my hand. Put up like, your hand. Talk to the hand. Yeah, energy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Talk yeah. to the hand. Like, yeah. get into your own power where you don't have to use substances to either numb yourself out or put on extra weight to buffer yourself. Yeah, because that's not healthy for you. It uh, isn't healthy. No, it's not healthy, but it works. Unfortunately, right. It right. works, um, and you don't need all that fat to protect yourself. There are other ways, you know, press practice the hand or the shielding technique, or at the very minimum, breathe. Don't hold your breath. Most people who are empaths are afraid, subliminally afraid and hypervigilant all the time. So they're scanning their environments for threat all the time with their breath held. And wow, yeah. Oh, and so you need to breathe out all the energy that you're encountering during the day so it doesn't lodge in your beautiful body. Did you have, when you were a kid, did you ever have that... Uh, the feeling that you could not get enough air, like you could not, not like, like inhale enough air. Did you ever have that? I or is that just me? I no, it's not just you. It's a lot of people feel that way. I didn't have that in particular. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, but it, uh, other people have. I've heard about that. Yeah, I, well, I know that. I know that the breath, and you have some. Um, you do a little bit of breath work too on in the book um, as well. There's also um, a connection, I think. Well, the connection that I have, one of the things that, that helps me is the connection to water. Mm, and right. everything from a bath or sitting in, I mean, I went and I got a jacuzzi, you know, um, I went and, and bought a jacuzzi because being in the in the warm water is so lovely. Of course, I love being in the ocean, yeah. like crazy. Oh, do you? Yes. But even a shower, um, there's something about water. It's very alchemical to me. I don't know. It's very magic. It is. Empaths love water. Water is cleansing. Water, the moving water gives off negative ions. The ocean, yes, it's calming, it's cleansing, it's purifying. And so, if you've had a stressful day, get into a shower or get into a bath. Now, this is one of the negotiating points I had with my partner because when we were first starting to see one another, you know, I stay could stay in the bath an hour and a half, you know, or longer. <laughs> I mean, I could I go into trance in a bath. I let myself relax and go. And he says, "What are you doing in there?" You know, like he takes a shower, he's in and out and done. You know, it's not the same for me. Well, no. it's, it's like somebody that goes to the gym for an hour and a half. You're going to the bath gym. It, yes. <laughs> you're getting yes. your you're getting your, your your spiritual and emotional workout at in the bath. I'm getting cleansed. I'm getting purified. I could dream. I can let all my mind go and just go into dream state. You know, I can, I have, luckily I have a window in my bathroom and I have the moonlight streaming in on the water. So I'm in heaven. The wow. Moon, I know. Empaths often love the moon. When I was little and I felt so lonely, I would look up at the moon and the moon would be my friend every night. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> still is. Sweet. Still is. <laughs> uh, Judith, what, um, I, you've, 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 you've had so much stuff that you've you've done over the the past few decades and, and amazing uh, best-selling books. What is something that you um, that you're looking forward to do, or that you ha that you're planning and you're working on right now? What's coming up for you? Well, I'm giving a beautiful workshop at Esalen Institute, July 28th through 30th, on empathy and intuition. Nice. So oh, I know I love talk about water, being on the ocean, yes. and having creeks running through redwoods, you know, right on the ocean with massage and, and hot springs. And uh, anyways, everyone's Lovely. invited if you want to retreat, if you want to awaken your empath self, you know, if you want to, you know, just get in touch, find yourself again. If you feel lost, it's a place to meet 
like-minded people. That's who, a beautiful space. Isn't it? If people want to find out more about that, would they just go to your to your website? Would they find yeah, out? Yeah, they can go to my website. I also have an online empath support course that you can check out with nine video lessons that I teach. Um, and you can download at your convenience. So that's also on drjudithorloff.com. So that's doctor, but the short version, drjudithorloff.com. You can find uh, information about her uh, workshop uh, schedule, also the Empath Support online course, which is just um, absolutely brilliant. Do you have, um, again, are, are there things that you've wanted to do that you haven't done yet? <sighs> what would you like to do if you could do, if, if, if it was like completely everything well everything is doable isn't it um but something that you haven't done yet is there something that you i've always had a dream of doing some kind of tv series or movie about an empath mm -hmm. and i've tried to do that about 10 years ago and it just didn't happen it wasn't maybe it wasn't the right time right? I, I guess i yeah. don't know but it's an area that i have no it's not my specialty i don't know that world at all so you know, yes, that that's a dream because I think it could be really beautiful and helpful and funny and fun and deep and mysterious. So I'd like to do that. Um, and I'd also just basically like to continue exploring love. Mm. No, in my relationship, in the world, no, it's it's this time here we have is so short. No, and you have to use your time well. Oh, and this new book I have out in October, Thriving as an Empath, is a day book, January 1, January 2, January 3. Thriving and knowing your timelessness, knowing what it's like to be an empath a day at a time. I, I particularly love that because especially if you're going through something big, you really need to live a day at a time. Well, I like it because I'm a, well, like I'm a list person. Oh. I love to write out lists of things that I need to do, you know, every day and every every day. It would be lovely to have that be uh, our guide as well. Yes. You know, things yes. that we can we can do every single day. And it's short. And, I like that. And it's, so it's easy. Pre-order on Amazon <laughs> is available now. And the title again? Thriving as an Empath, a Daily Guide to Empower Sensitive People. Beautiful. Thank you. Wow. Dr. Judith Orloff, thank you so much so much for coming on the show i really appreciate it and um will you come back on again when you have more stuff coming up oh definitely okay. thank you i love i love having you on so uh folks if you want to find out more information you can go to dr judith orloff and that's d r j u d i t h o r l o f f dot com um, get all the information about her workshops, her empath support online course, and of course, rush out and get uh, the book. You, now, there's the paperback ver version, and there's an audio version as well, an audio right. CD set as well. The Empath's Survival Guide, Life Strategies for Sensitive People. Thank you again, doctor, so much. You're so welcome. I love you. Um, I want to thank you too, wonderful listeners, for tuning in again this week. Remember, you can share the show. If anything resonates with you, if you want to share this with other people, you're more than welcome to share the show. The YouTube link is great because it's easy to share in emails and on social media. And of course, as always, I want to remind you until next time to think outside of the box. Bye for now.